to me. Live from St. Paul, we're the Dave Zito. This is the Dave Zito. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. For another episode of the Dave's Little Podcast. Uh, it's just a, a short, which should be a short one today. Um, not a ton of news. There was a bunch of MLS news, not a ton of Minnesota United news. And we're down down a, uh, a co-host. Uh, Dan is out this week. We have uh, just myself and MJ. MJ, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, had a had a really successful room ball weekend. So I'm riding high. We, I, I am uh, three wins and one draw in 2021. So I'm pretty happy. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I decided to bail on Broomball this year because uh, our league, the Minneapolis league I play in, I was supposed to, they're supposed to start. Well, it starts this week. Uh, and then one of the players on the, in obviously they have the mask mandate. You have to wear masks. Uh, yeah. But one of the player, like one of the guys is this old guy. He's like in his like probably mid sixties. Sure. Uh, good defender. Really good guy. Um, realtor. Uh, super mega anti-Trumper oh, yeah. walls walls hater guy. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna pass on playing broomball with you because you're probably not wearing a mask anywhere else in your life, and we'll probably go out to the bar after the games, and you're just not gonna wear your mask, and it's gonna get really awkward for for both me and you. So I uh, I decided to pass on broomball this year. So very break. understandable. Uh, yeah, I, I I fortunately am only. This year, I'm only playing on teams that I manage, and I'm managing about half the teams as I usually do. So um, th- th- this year, I-, I can control who's on my team, and that helps a lot. Yeah, right. Well, you know, if, you're, if your goalie's ever out or something, you need me, let me know. As long as people are wearing masks, I'm fine. I just, I just, uh, I just, I was like, I can't, I can't put myself or my, uh, my wife or future kid at risk or, or Ragnar at risk of trying to have even potentially catching COVID. So you know I'm, how it is. I am glad that you favoring your, your youngest kid is starting now on this podcast because we might as well start now. Rather than- That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I also, I also got a, I picked up a new uh, microphone rig for my, for my office. So uh, you can't see this, but it's a, uh, yeah, it's pretty nice. Tested it out. Sound, sound is really brag about uh, the rig at all. You want the? No, not really. It was, it was actually, it's relatively cheap on Amazon. If you, okay. if you are a person who records stuff, let me know. I can send you the link for it. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's nice because it's got an arm extends. I don't have to do anything yeah. with my hands. So, yeah, it's. Uh, you don't have to like lean over, adjust your body to right. And the other microphone I used to use uh, was a really flimsy, weird one. My parents got me years ago. I can't remember why I asked for it, but it was it was literally probably like a decade ago when I got it. And it, it, it's a USB one. It plugs in. This one is also just USB plugs in to my computer, which is nice. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, does, does it have an uh, XLR interface on the mic side? Um, no, no, okay. not, not that fancy. But okay. uh, yeah, it has this cover. It also has the uh, a pop mic if you want to throw a pop mic on it. Can oh, nice. To it. So yeah, but for what I'm using it for, the, the, co- the mic cover works perfectly. So. All right, this has not been Mike Talk. This is uh, the Dave's I Know podcast. Welcome so, to your pro audio segment of the Dave's I Know. Right, yes. Yeah. So if you if you if you are someone who uh, needs to hire someone to like you know make podcasts for you, let me know. I'm I'm available. Uh, I have a rig for it now. But uh, always visit the Patreon, patreoncom slash Dave's I Know. Uh, I actually was chatting with Christian today. We're going to be meeting sometime later this month. Uh, to discuss what the Patreon uh, tiers beers level is going to be next year. We're going to change this up a little bit, I think. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out exactly. Um, I'll definitely let everybody know um, what they need to do in order to get the beers that they want to get for next year. But that's going to be a thing. Uh, this weekend, we'll be recording. We've we've kind of alluded to it on previous podcasts, our rankings of, of leagues across the world. Uh, we have a couple of special guests for sure that are coming in. Um, potentially... A, another special guest who may or may not be joining us from Europe 
uh, former former guest of the names I know. Well, I don't think he actually he wasn't actually on the podcast, but he was he was we had a we did a very special uh, Zoom chat with him. Uh, former former loon, uh, potentially um, if everything works out for his schedule, might be joining us as well to discuss this. So that's only going to be Patreon uh, content. We're we're doing that releasing that just for the Patreons of Dave's I know, as well as the uh, Minnesota Football Show Patreons. The other two guests are going to be obviously Eric uh, Silverbrenderman and uh, Rodrigo uh, Sanchez. Um, so if you are a member of either of our Patreons, you're going to get this. Join our Patreon, um, you know, as little as I believe three bucks a month, all the way up to 12 bucks a month. And yeah, patreon.com slash the Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know, helps pay for things like this microphone, as well as some other uh, cool stuff. I think that I need to talk to MJ and Dan off mic about that we might be spending some money on. So it's cocaine. <laughs> it's co- yes. It, yeah. It, honestly, MJ, you're not too far off. When it comes to cocaine, um, but not quite. Uh, I'll take powdered sugar. I, yeah. I, I love I love powdered sugar. All right, so let's let's hit up a, co- a couple of Minnesota United uh, tangential things, uh, and then we can uh, we can jump in, jump into some MLS news. And then again, this is gonna be I think a pretty pretty short podcast. So biggest thing, uh, actual MLS news that came out. Um, I don't know if you guys follow Icopara on Instagram, he put out a Instagram story with uh, with his wife basically um detailing what happened uh with like pr- kind of he didn't say specifically why this is why he didn't play last year but his wife um had a pretty crazy uh insane battle um with a lot of uh, medical professionals ultimately she was diagnosed with cushing syndrome which i don't know a ton about uh but it sounded terrible and and just from the, her story just sounded like she had a hell of a time with it Ike obviously was a stand-up amazing person um, and took the time off to help his wife through the this really uh, terrible, terrible disease. And that, I mean, I would imagine that is a significant part of why he um, didn't re- did join the team after they came back after the COVID. Obviously, Ike, I think we're all pretty sure that he had some sort of a concussion after that second uh, second match in March. And that obviously, I think probably, you know, didn't help matters but definitely it sounds like he took a lot of time to help make sure that his wife was was better and, and was doing okay before he would even consider coming back to the team so i think this explains a lot about ike's, ike's absence and the team's relative silence about it which to respect him and respect um you know his journey and all that which you know again we all kind of everybody kind of speculated about it whether it was you know out loud or in their head and i'm glad that we finally got a little bit of clear a uh, little bit of clarity on it and again, just feel really bad for Ike and his wife. Uh, sounds like she's on the men. She sounds like she's like much, much better, which is fantastic. Um, so hopefully we see Ike in 2021, assuming we actually have a season in 2021. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit more clarity on the Ike Apara situation. Kudos to him for working it out with his wife and figuring out the best situation for them and their health. And kudos to Minnesota United for protecting both he and his wife's privacy in this matter and letting them reveal it on their timetable. Yeah. I mean, especially considering like Minnesota ended up with a couple of guys with COVID um, who the hell knows. Like if, you know, I had been playing and caught it and brought it home and given it to his wife, I mean, it could have been a whole crazy weird situation that would have been really awkward, if not terrible um, for both him and the team. So again, you know, Kudos to, to everybody for being responsible. That's kind of what we are always asking for athletes and from our front offices and, and players and stuff, just to be responsible when it comes to this sort of stuff. And it sounds like they, you know, they were very responsible. So good on them for, for doing that. So just bringing my broom ball experience in here, no one can make the decision or should be judging someone's decisions to not participate in activities during COVID. I mean, it just, it's a shitty thing. So yeah. I have players that will not play till a certain percentage of the population is vaccinated. I have certain players that will only play outdoors. I also only have certain players that will play outdoors, but not go to a spacious indoor restaurant. Some players won't, won't play at all. Isn't your choice or judgment. It's every individual has to make that decision. Yeah, that's, that's hundred percent true. So um, do whatever is best for you and what you feel comfortable with. And again, it's the reason why I'm not playing broomball with that one particular team. Um, I still will occasionally, like I will still go out and, and watch soccer matches at the black card, 
but that's because I know I know all the people there and and generally trust people to be responsible and respectful of me and, and decisions I make. So, um, anyways, so that's like the, that's like the main Minnesota United news. Um, we we found out you know kind of it wasn't official that that's the reason why, but you I think people can infer a lot of things from from that 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 was a major reason why I decided to take the season off. Which again, like in the middle of his prime, is 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 kudos to him for for taking care of his family uh, before anything else. So, uh, other so we had a couple other Minnesota United rumors and innuendos. Uh, there was a report uh, was a, late last week that Amaria had been signed by an Ecuadorian club. Uh, that report was refuted uh, a couple days later, or maybe a day later. So Luis Amaria um, obviously had a a buy option on his loan. Uh, after the year, after this past year, um, obviously with the COVID situation and everything, and the fact that, you know, Luis Amaria played basically two and a half games for the team, the team was not going to pick up that, that buy option. Buy option, I think, was high. If he had continued to play at the level that he played the first two games, uh, I think that buy option would have been, you know, probably right, right around what Minnesota would have wanted to spend on a player. Um, but clearly it was way too high for them with everything that happened over the course of 2020. Um, but there was, again, reports came out that he was going to an Ecuadorian club. And now those reports seem to be refuted. Uh, Luis Amarillas has not officially been transferred uh, or loaned out again. So who the hell knows? I believe he has one more year on his contract with his uh, Paraguayan team. You know, who knows what happened, what, hap- what will happen here? I think le- that probably got le- leaked out so that Minnesota it would drive up the price for Minnesota because I'm sure Minnesota as an MLS club has way more money to spend than an Ecuadorian club. Um, with everything that has been going on and considering the amount of money that the owners of Minnesota United have. So any thoughts on the Amaria to Ecuador? Uh, Is it Club de Valais was, I believe, the the club that he was uh, rumored to be going to? Uh, uh, Wasn't it Quito de Quito or something like that? Maybe it was Quito de Valais. It was a club club in Quito, yes, I believe. So When I first started seeing refutations of this, on Twitter, my first thought was, was this an agent link leak to drive up the price, you know, or, or a negotiating tactic, if you will. So, it, I mean, it's hard to infer too much with what little we have now, but that was my first guess. Yeah. So again, we haven't heard anything. Uh, sounds like he's uh, still a priority for Minnesota United, um, which makes a lot of sense. Uh the other sort of rumor that came out, uh, again, late last week, was Colombian winger uh, Andres Ibarguan uh, of Club America uh, in the Emekis uh, has been linked to Minnesota United. Obviously, Minnesota scouted has been scouting Club America uh, with the Benedetti uh, rumors for, for several years. So um, this one seems like has a little bit of legs to it just because it's a guy on a team that Minnesota has clearly spent in. Obviously, when they picked up Darwin Quintero uh, from Club America, this team Minnesota has uh, relations relationships with club not relations relationships with Club America. So this one actually kind of makes a little bit of sense. Saw a Y Scout report of of Ibarguen <laughs> to steal a little bit of uh, maybe uh, Wes's thunder from the fifty five one podcast. He's basically Darwin Quintero without goals. Um, so he's a good dribbler. Uh, he'll get into space, but he doesn't score and he doesn't really assist. Uh, at least in the, the most recent year, uh, the 20, uh, 2019-2020 season was the, the the stats I was looking at. So, um, And the statistical cup comps of other players in Club America. So do you have any thoughts on uh, Bogwin, um, or The, this tr- this the tr- significant thing about Mbagwin that I want to point out is that Transfer Market lists his primary position as left wing. And we have been out without a natural left wing probably since what Sam Nicholson. Yeah. Like I, who, like who, who was a natural on the, on, on the left? Oh, uh, Edwards, but you know, uh, other than Raheem Edwards and, and Sam Nicholson, we, we have not had a lot of natural left wingers. So um, that's exciting. Yeah, he's definitely, definitely a left wing. Um, that's definitely based on all the heat maps and stuff um, that I've seen for him. Um, I just point out um, 
that's where the, most of the rumors that I've heard. Matt Doyle uh, from uh, MLSsoccer.com, he posted that they should go after River Plate center forward Santos Bore, which uh, is also another Colombian, 25 years old, scores a bunch of goals. He's going to cost a lot of money, much like Reynoso did, but would definitely be that goal-scoring threat that you alluded to Minnesota needing. And Minnesota definitely, definitely needing. So, any, yeah, just watch him play uh, in the Copa Libertadores this uh, this month and look good. So, I'd be all, I'd be all for it. if if we sign uh, Santos, that would be fucking amazing. So, yeah, let's do it. Come on, Adrian Heath. Come on, Mark Watson. Get it done. Come on, Mark Fangmeyer. Santos watch. <laughs> get on that. Get on. Yeah, get on Santos watch. I mean, uh, not to plug another podcast on this. Podcast. Yeah. Whatever. All right, well, let's jump over to MLS news. So there's been a, a bit of uh, MLS news, and normally we don't discuss MLS news here. This is a generally a Minnesota United podcast, a Minnesota soccer-specific podcast. But again, there's literally nothing going on and uh, definitely need to talk to somebody about soccer for a little bit. So, MJ, you are you are it. So I, I, I'm happy to be here, but I feel sad for you that, you know, Dan can't join us and bear you from some MJ mic time. Yeah, I just yell at my uh, yell at my wife about Jordan Morris going to Swansea City, and she just looks at me like, she's like, I, I don't fucking care. It's <laughs> like my wife, who, who's very knowledgeable about soccer, just doesn't want to listen to me rant and rave about Jordan Morris going to Swansea City and why it's like six years too late and all that fun stuff. So uh, big news out of MLS, leaving MLS is Jordan Morris, uh, as I alluded to, goes to Swansea City. Everyone's favorite Seattle rectangle. <laughs> he, the dude who looks like a, a fucking bro, um, is uh, seriously one of the fastest players at MLS, but just looks like a fucking like dolt. Looks like the guy who you know tried to beat you up in high school. Maybe did beat you up in high school. Just yeah, he, yeah. He's his head is a rectangle, but he scores goals and he's actually really good at soccer uh, and he's going to Swansea city. So it's interesting because he, John Morris trained with a couple of uh, German teams. I want to say six or seven years ago before he turned, uh, before he turned 20, he was, I think he trained with, was it Schalke uh, and, and Werder Bremen? I think Werder for sure might've been Schalke. He trained with a couple different European teams, decided to stay home. Uh, His dad, obviously is that, um, if you're not familiar with Jordan Morris, his dad, I believe, is the was the trainer or is the trainer for uh, the Seattle Sounders. So he basically has lived with his parents since he started playing at Seattle. Um, Wait, he and his brother just live with their parents in Seattle? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, with his dad and and with his dog, his mom and dad. Which you know, whatever, it's it's fine. You know, the the that generation of kids is is fucked already, and might as well stay with your parents if you can. I didn't um, realize he's only 26. Yeah. So it's interesting because he he's making this move at a, at a time he's you know he is a a forward slash attacking midfielder he's right he's theoretically right at the start or maybe he has started his prime and he's right in the middle of his prime right and so he's going to Swansea City a club in the Championship of Europe or of England right now you would imagine that he's going there to try and put on to try and uh, make a, a statement and go somewhere else, either go to a team in, in the EPL for next year uh, for 2021, 20, 22 season, or to make a move to a Bundesliga um, or maybe a Serie A team, maybe a La Liga team, um, but definitely going somewhere. I don't think he's going to be in the championship for very long. I think is, is kind of what I'm trying to guess here. What's that? that? You see this as a stepping stone. Yes, I 100% believe so. Um, so. I mean, I think Swansea is currently second in the championship. So if he gets Swansea up, if Swansea stays up and, and they, they go up, uh, get promoted, maybe he stays with Swansea for another year. I know Rian Brewster went down, he from Liverpool went down to Swansea City in January of last year. He scored like 11 goals for Swansea City. And then he got a $25 million move to Sheffield United this year. So I I, I legitimately believe that Jordan Morris, clearly he's going to make a run of it or go make a goal of it in, in Europe. And I think this is, he sees Swansea as a stepping stone. Either he gets them up and they pay him more or he plays well. He gets, uh, and then he gets a move to another, another squad 
uh, in Europe somewhere. Though it's weird because Swansea does not really play the same formation that Seattle does. They've been playing a three-five-two, which uh-huh. I guess Jordan Morris could could slide into one of the striker roles. Yeah, I don't but, like Jordan as like a, a left wing back. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. But as one, I of definitely, the, I definitely don't think he's playing wing back in that in that system. I would imagine. So, so uh, one of the two forward positions would make sense. The one on yeah. the left. I've watched a little bit of championship football. Um, he doesn't three. They play Swansea plays a weird three five two. They play a three five two, but it's not. They don't play in a conventional two striker setup, right? So they have their number nine, um, which is Andre Ayewu right now. Yep. He tends to roam and drop, um, and then their uh, their up top forward Jamalo sort of pulls wide and runs in behind. So that would be kind of the the role that I could see. Jordan Morris playing. He plays that sort of role where he's able to like um, roam and then pull wide and then jump in behind defenses, which is what he does with Seattle. Very, so very, very well. Jordan Morris does it better than almost anybody in MLS right now. So shout out to Eric Brady, who frequently says Jordan Morris is all over the place. And <laughs> we look to see him in one part of the pitch. And then a few seconds later, he's on the other side. Yeah. He's, he's uh, a roamer. Yeah. Uh, so apparently Fiorentina, Wolfsburg, and Bayer Leverkusen have all been linked with Morris, um, which is kind of why it's so strange that he goes to Swansea. Um, but again, he has a, I think this is a really op- a good opportunity for him. He uses as a jumping off point for greater uh, European stuff. So maybe he didn't pass the elementary school German test. I mean, you don't know. It's possible. I guess it's possible. So, uh, all right, moving on to some other stuff. Uh, the CBA uh, contract impasse uh continues afoot so we we talked about this a little bit last week in the podcast about the uh, mls invoking the force majeure the mls providing a a deal that they had put forth their you know their first uh foray into the, the contract negotiations with mls you know not losing any more salary for 2021 or 2020 yeah 2021 sorry we're in 2021 and uh, and then, but in, in adding two more years onto the to the CBA, um, MLS Players Association did not respond at all to that, and that got uh, Dan Grabber really upset because Dan Grabber had a press conference, which they never do. They never talk about uh, CBA <laughs> negotiations in the press, but he put out a press conference or he went on a press press conference and basically said, "We don't know what's going on. We provided the uh, the framework for a deal." Uh, we haven't heard anything from them. This, the force majeure ends in like two and a half weeks, and we're we're only negotiating until that time is over, which then, which then prompted the uh, the players' association uh, executive director to come out and uh, have his own press conference the next day, basically saying, "I don't know what Dan Grabber is uh, is thinking. He's." clearly not a lawyer because you can continue to negotiate after these things. We negotiate CBAs all the time after the negotiating window has ended uh, in good faith, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I, I had, I was listening to a couple other podcasts uh, from people that are much more knowledgeable in this scenario, people like uh, Sam Stasco and Paul Tenorio. And they kind of, they, they kind of, if you, the total soccer show um, I think was, couple days ago, their podcast, they talked a lot about this and, and spent about 40 minutes on the CBA negotiations. And I would encourage you to listen to that podcast. They actually, Paul Tenorio, they break it down how much money MLS is saving, would save if the Players Association accepted their their proposed deal and how much, how insane it would be for the players to, to accept it. You know, I, I go back and forth because I, as much as I really would love the players to, to you know, put their foot down. Um, we're not, this is not the same league as, you know, the NFL or the NBA or more importantly, you know, MLB, these players don't have the same sort of uh, uh, certainty in their contracts and longevity of, of careers. And a lot of the players, most of the players, I would say probably, man, I would say probably 75% of the players who are playing in 2021 won't even be in MLS in 20. 27 when the new contract or the, when the new CBA would, would kick in or you know, 2026 when the CBA negotiations would, negotiations would have to happen. So it really is asking a lot of the current players um, to put up a fight this year for longer term gains for players. But 
there's actually there was also an article that I think Paul Tenorio wrote in, in the Athletic if you have a, a subscription to the Athletic, basically breaking down how much money that the the players are not going to be getting um, based on the the re- so the, the the current the the original proposal that they agreed to in February of last year, the re, re redone proposal that they agreed to in right before they started playing up again in in June uh, for the MLS's back tournament, and then the 2021 what they're now proposing proposal. Like it's for the players, it's a significant amount of money for the owners. It's not. And it seems just a, a weird, a weird place to stake your claim. Um, so anything new from CBA stuff that you want to bring up MJ? No, other than it's weird to me that MLS, when it comes to these sorts of things, doesn't either let someone else be the mouthpiece or the single entity ownership that is MLS than uh, Dan Grabber, someone with perhaps more of a legal background or someone who doesn't need to put their foot in their mouth. It just seems like there's an assistant, a VP, or someone who is probably more qualified to give press conferences on this topic. So that was surprising to me. Yeah, uh, I think Mark Abbott is normally the guy who talks about this stuff. Uh, Mark Abbott is a, a Minnesota guy. Um, grew up in Minnesota. It was weird because the MLS has never negotiated vis-a-vis the media like they like they are currently doing uh, when they, you know, put out that press conference uh, last last week. And then this again, I'm just gonna rehash a, a point that Paul Tenorio and um, uh, Sam Stasco brought up on on their podcast, and I think Paul put in his article the the argument that the the owners are making is that for invoking the force majeure is that this is an act of God. They aren't able to have fans in the stands that, and they don't, and they are not anticipating being able to have fans in the stands at any like sort of decent capacity to make it worthwhile. Therefore they need to renegotiate the terms of the contract. And then the, like the first, the opening salvo of their contract negotiations is we're willing to eat the cost of 2021 if we get some concessions on the back end. So like the, those two arguments, and we talked about this last week, those two arguments do not, to me, do not jive. And and to anybody who's right, like left thinking or, or even right thinking, like you, you shouldn't be able to argue at one point, you can't do your job. You cannot survive because of the way things are happening in the world. And at the same time argue, well, we can survive, but we want concessions on the back end. You, you, you those, and the other point that, both Sam and Paul brought up that I think is, is I don't think we talked about last week, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense is the players already took a significant pay cut last year. It wasn't as much as a lot of people are taking. Right. So like lots of people lost their jobs. Lots of people had their hours cut. Um, the average person is, is was, was dramatically more affected by COVID last year than players in MLS were. However, the players, when they renegotiated, they they renegotiated their 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 uh, revenue sharing. So they they took a big cut there. They they took a pay cut. They took a pay cut for for themselves. They took a pay cut, a significant pay cut in bonuses for last year. The players have already taken a big chunk of a, of of a cut of a hit for for COVID stuff for 2021, and it, it still comes back to me in that this is a this is a negotiated contract, right? If for some reason something crazy happened and the owners just, you know, got billions, got a billion dollars uh, of cash infusion from somewhere, they're not going to turn around and say, you know what, we need to stop and renegotiate our contract and give our players more money. There's no way in hell that they were going right. to do that. They would tear up the contract and say, "Listen, we got to give you more. We got to give you more. Sorry, guys. We 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 missed. We missed when, if and when they negotiate that twenty. Uh, so like the, the, the TV contracts up in 2022. If and when they need to renegotiate, or when they renegotiate that contract in 2026, I'm guessing the next TV contract is going to be three to four years, probably right before World Cup 2026 in the United States. They're, when they when they get a billion dollars for a TV contract, they're not going to say. Hold on, guys. We we thought we were only going to get maybe five hundred million dollars. We're going to renegotiate and give you more money for this um, because you guys are the ones who are or who are you are the labor that that is generating the capital. We need to renegotiate and give you guys more money. They're not going to do that. And if you think that they're going to do that, if you even have that any harbor any of that, you're a fucking idiot, and you need you need to 
figure your shit out. So that is, again, that's kind of what I like, keep drawing back to. Basically, the owners are threatening to the players, we don't need to have a season. We don't need you. If you want to have a job, you have to take an even lower pay cut than 2020. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 what they're asking. That is that's really what they're, they're they would say. We need to take, you you need to take less money, um, in the future, because they'll say we'll we'll pay you what we said we we're going to pay you in 2021 last year when they when they renegotiated this contract. However, again, the players have already taken a pay cut this year because the based on the agreement they negotiated last year in February um, that did not get approved by either the the owners or the players because of. Again, they were negotiating in good faith while the preseason was going on, negotiating in good faith. They had a they had an agreement that they just weren't able to sign before COVID shut everything down. The players took a cut, a fifty percent cut off of the revenue sharing this year already. So they're asking, so they're asking the players to take another uh, significant cut to their revenue, not this year, but every year going forward for the next six years. <laughs> Which is insane. If you if, if so, it which you know doesn't sound as insane to somebody who who's only making you know forty five fifty thousand dollars a year. Here's the here's the sad the sad state of affairs is that a lot of players in this league, I think the the minimum salary right now is like sixty thousand dollars a year, right? So a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast probably make more than the senior minimum right now. I don't. You probably don't. No, <laughs> but a I lot don't. of a lot of a lot of people who are listening to this podcast. So there's a lot of people who, who they hear athlete, they, they say, Oh, you're playing a sport or whatever. Clearly they're making millions. These guys are not, these guys are not making millions of dollars, right? Kevin Molino literally just signed for like $700,000. Uh, and he was, you know, one of the better players in MLS towards the end of last year. Right. And he's only making $700,000 compared to, you know, guys like baseball players and, and, and football players and, um, basketball players who are making millions and millions of dollars, right? It's a different, it's the same concept, but it's, it's, it's like, it's obviously the, the, the scale is a lot different. And that's another thing that should be pointed out as well. This gets to your point earlier, David, about talking about different leagues and comparing them. And you think professional athlete, you think millionaire or at least low millionaire or high six figures. When in reality, MLS is, is a lot of players are making mid, mid to low five, uh, five figures. It's down to something called privilege. And so your ability right. to negotiate your contract, when when you have most of your league revenue coming from TV contracts, like a Premier League, like a Bundesliga, like an NFL or an NBA, you have the privilege then to not need so much of your salary coming from revenue sharing. You know, the, you have, the league has some solvency because of those television contracts. When most of a league's revenue is tied to game day concessions, fan uh, ticket, fan base purchases, whether that's tickets, merch, what else not, and teams thrive on game day, and it's not uh, as high a percentage coming from the TV contract, players buy just the way the economics work, players have less privilege. Right. Right. All right. We spent a lot of time on that. Um, let's let's ju- jump into some lighter news. Uh, Club de Foot is not a thing. <laughs> Club de Foot, uh, formerly known as the uh, Impact de Montreal, uh, <laughs> formerly known as the Montreal Meltdowns, as they are prone to happen. Uh, what do you think about Club de Foot, MJ? Um, I so, feel. I'll, I'll just say so for you people who don't know. Club de Foot is the is the rebrand of the Montreal Impact. That's why we're we're making all this. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So, what do you think about Club de Foot? First of all, uh, there are so many, there are so many French teams in Ligue 1 that use FC in their name. Just as a, I do not speak French, I do not know if Club de Foot is it, but I do know that in general, most French uh, newspapers call the sport football. It's probably not pronounced that way, but that is how it's it's spelled the same as the English word football. Football. Um, Whatever, whatever, however they pronounce it. So it seems a little bizarre that it's uh, Club de Foot, um, obviously trying to tie in with their Quebecois French-speaking fan base. I am going to miss the Montreal Impact simply for the fact that when they announced their uh, logo for MLS, 
coming from the NASL uh, and that they were going to keep the name Montreal Impact, Impact to Montreal. They were going to keep that name, but with a new logo. When they announced all this, it was right after playing the Minnesota Stars. I believe someone someone said that uh, that they had to they had to change because I have now blanking on the on who said it, but the, in the specific quote, but it was like Montreal Impact was a minor league team name, and that's why we haven't been able to succeed is because it's a minor league team. This is a new a, a new face, a new fresh start for uh, Montreal football, and to that I, I say maybe Joey Saputo should just get the fuck out of the way and stop firing managers every other year. That <laughs> might start. That might help if you, you know, when you have good players or a, I mean, say what you will about Minnesota United. Uh, and, and we've said a lot about Minnesota United and Adrian Heath, at least he, he has a vision. We might not enjoy the vision. We might not like the vision. The vision may suck ass, but it, it is a, it is a cohesive vision of what he and again, we've I, I vehemently disagree with with what what his vision is, and how he's you know how he's constructed that vision and how he's manifested that vision. Um, but he clearly understands what he wants to do. Which when you you give up you if you want that kind of buy in from from fans and a lot of fans fucking love it, right? There's a lot of people who fucking love Adrian Heath and love what the team has done. I don't you don't count me or or I think you or probably Dan amongst those people. We can appreciate. They have it. improved every year. David. But again, yes, again, but that's because we've that's because uh, to this to and this is where this is where we'll go back uh, and give the team a little bit of credit is that they just gave Adrian Heath the rope to do what he needed to do, right? Yes. Um, and he and he figured it out eventually, and he made some they made some good signings, and now it's been pretty good. Um, we'll see how it goes next year, and again, but, that doesn't that doesn't say that he's that Heath is without uh, faults or whatever, but fucking. Joey Saputo in Montreal, um, <laughs> they don't they don't even get they don't even get like the the two years to do the thing that they want to do right. So say what you want about. I mean, if Minnesota had been had been, now would be in their third coach in six years or five years, I would be I would I probably have the same problems with Minnesota United, right? Like give at least give the coach a little bit of time to figure the shit out. He would still be looking like a minor league team. <laughs> Right, and that's what Montreal has looked like. How I mean, however, they had some. They've had some really great moments in their in their team's history. Right, they had Didier Didier Drogba played for that fucking team. Man, Didier Drogba scored goals for Montreal Impact. Um, they made it to a uh, Concacaf uh, uh, final. Yeah, Concacaf Champions League. Yeah, they also played uh, a, a Concacaf game where they they drew the lines incorrectly on their field, so they did that too. Like the team is not without like some. Crazy stuff, and then of course there's always, and and MJ, you and I appreciate these probably more so than a lot of people as as longtime Minnesota soccer fans. The Montreal meltdowns that happen. Oh, um, we had we've had uh, uh, Chris Lindholm on the podcast several times, and he has some really great. We need to get him back on the podcast. Some really great Montreal meltdown stories of of, of the team just absolutely completely losing all their shit. And, and, and it's sometimes it's, it's some of the best stuff you'll ever see. So this is where, since I don't, I didn't join into the fandom of Minnesota pro soccer during the thunder years. I just have, you know, the Minnesota stars and the, when the stars were playing the Montreal in fact in, in the NASL and my goodness, it seemed like either not pregame, but, during the game or post game, there's always some sort of fisticuffs or pushing and shoving or some tirade or somebody getting a red card or a second yellow for doing some dumb shit. And it was not always someone named named Coleman. It was like, and I'm, not, I'm talking about Brian here. Uh, oh no, it was it was often Montreal players fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a shit show. Punching was, one, punching punching amongst themselves. So. WWE uh, kayfabe has nothing on the Montreal impact in the Montreal meltdowns. Yeah, it's absolutely entertaining. I mean, g- good luck to good luck to Joey Saputo uh, and and the and the club. Terry Henry. Yeah, Terry Henry. We, so we love Terry Henry here. I mean, Dan is an unabashed Terry Henry fan. I like Terry Henry. I think he did a lot of really amazing shit in MLS. I appreciated him as a as a Premier League football player. Um, I was surprised he took that job uh with montreal but you know good good for him hopefully 
he gets the time to do what he needs to do. I, I think what makes this obvious is that Joey Saputo is looking at the success of Minnesota United and he's trying to copy it. He's bringing in a Premier League goal scoring juggernaut as a coach and trying to like hire him and keep him on for several years because that's what's worked in Minnesota. And, you know, then realize that part of Minnesota's success is they have such an awesome logo. Instead of the NSC Minnesota Stars <laughs> thing, they rebranded and became the Loons, New Crest. And so he, he wants some of that too. He wants some of that too. He's obviously looking at the Minnesota playbook for success. Uh, I'm sure Joyce Budo looks at lots of playbooks for success. Let's put it that way. So, all right. The, uh, the Hollis Bullis managerial news. So this all, most of this stuff all dropped today um, or within the last 24 hours. Uh, let's, let's, we'll break it down uh, in somewhat. I, I broke it down in basically in the order. I want to talk about it. Uh, Chris Armas to Toronto FC, Toronto FC, obviously uh, Greg Vanny left Toronto, went over to LA galaxy last week. We talked a little bit about that. Um, I think we'll talk about what makes a good manager in MLS next week when we have Dan on the on the podcast. He he threw that up in our in our uh, pre pre or you know pre pre show stuff, and then wasn't wasn't able to join us. So we'll save that for when he's back next week. But Chris Armas to t- Toronto FC seems like a weird fit for Toronto. He's not the he doesn't play the kind of style that Greg Vanny plays. He plays a much more defensive style of soccer. At least he did at the New York Red Bulls. Um, so if he wants to play that similar style, he doesn't necessarily have the pieces in Toronto. Uh, what are your thoughts on Chris Armas to Toronto FC for uh, 2021, MJ? The biggest thing that sticks out to me is you're 100% right. He does not play the same style as, as, as Danny at all. But the Toronto FC manager, a general manager, is Ali Curtis. And Ali Curtis used to work right. at... New York Red Bulls with with Chris Armas. So yeah, and so you know whether you want to call it the old, old boys club, whether you want to call it you know MLS nepotism, Ollie Curtis trusts Chris Armas, and I think a lot of this has to do with who are you comfortable working with, who do you trust, and who are your social networks in the soccer world. All right, probably in the most surprising news, um, Hernan Lasado was who? yeah exactly who. Uh, joins DC United um, as their head coach. So Lasada is he's 38 years old. He's the same age as I am. So uh, he will be, I believe, the youngest uh, active head coach in MLS. He's Argentinian. Uh, he played uh, from 2013 to 2018, most of his career in Belgium. Uh, he's been the manager of Beerschot, uh, Belgian three times. Yeah, Belgian team uh, since 2019. Um, got the team to promotion uh, to the Belgian Pro League. So in his first season in the Pro League right now, uh, Beershot is currently in 10th place in the 18-team uh, top division through 21 games. So this is an interesting hire because DC United, I think they interviewed every single person they possibly could interview, uh, including Jill Ellis, uh, including Chris Armas, uh, the Seattle Sounders assistant Gonzalo uh, Pineda, um, who I think they made offers to Armas and, and Pineda and those guys turned them down. And so they basically said, fuck it. Let's go with someone young, um, someone who's relatively unproven, uh, who's probably, you know, because he has a not a ton of international experience, probably pretty cheap, honestly, too, which is, you know, say what you want. That's that's a lot of DC United's MO is, is trying to do stuff on the, on the cheap. So do you have any thoughts on uh, Hernan Lasada as the uh, head coach of DC United? The thing that uh, strikes me because he's played in both the Netherlands and Belgium, he can speak four languages. That's so, good. Uh, he speaks, uh, he's Argentinian. So he speaks Spanish, he speaks English, and then he speaks Dutch. And because he was in Belgium for so long, he speaks French. Um, I, I also assume he can like, have a like year one level conversation in Flemish, but that wasn't uh, in his sure. profile. So when you look at DC's roster, which can be on the more international side, uh, global side, the one Estonian player is SOL. Sorry, he doesn't speak Estonian, but um, uh, uh, Ola uh, uh, Kamara is Norwegian. You know, he doesn't speak Norwegian, but for the most part, that could that skill set probably will pay dividends for DC United in one way, 
I know nothing about his tactics or his style of coaching. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a interesting choice. But I mean again, if you if you're if you are rebuffed by Armas and and again Gonzalo Pineda um from Seattle, uh I guess maybe take a take a swing, you know. DC United hasn't had a new coach in what almost a decade. Um since Ben Olsen was uh Yeah, they've been close team. So, you know, take a shot. I think yeah, the, the four languages is, is a really great uh, point. He's a young guy, so theoretically he should be able to re- to uh, relate to some of the younger players, which is which is also great. I mean, Ben Olsen wasn't wasn't like an old person either, so um, right. you know it's a whatever. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's a big swing for DC. I think it, it's a swing. It's not a big swing. It's a swing for DC. It, it clearly they could have probably gone with somebody with a little more experience. Um, you know, in, in a head uh, managerial role, but you know, they chose a, a slightly different path. So good for them. Uh, speaking of different paths and <laughs> not having a ton of managerial experience, uh, Phil Neville, <laughs> the worst kept secret in the last two weeks in MLS is Phil Neville uh, is hired by inner Miami by David Beckham to be the head, the manager of inner Miami. He most recently coached the or managed the 20 or the uh, England national team uh, managed them to a semifinal in the 20 was at the 2019 world cup proceeded to manage them to their worst run of form since 2003 after that semifinal loss to the United States. Uh, Phil Neville. Um, yeah, man, he, uh, I have a Phil Neville quiz for MJ, so I don't want to I don't want to dive too much into the into the tactics. But I'll let you, MJ, talk about Phil Neville. You Everton legend, Phil Neville, uh, MJ. So yeah, I what, mean, do you, what do you have to say about Phil Neville? You know, I, he, when he was at, with Everton, I wasn't I, I wasn't watching Everton, so I don't have a lot of history with him. But I mean, defensive, you know, great defending defensive player. It's uh, you know he spent time with Beckham at Manchester United. Um, so now when, uh, Dave Beckham wants to do, uh, chat old shop days with Manchester United, he'll have someone to chat with in Miami. You know, I actually think that England's run in the semifinals of the 2019 world cup should be commended. I don't know how much of that is, is Phil Neville that the, the English women players. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the point. I think. Yeah. No, I, it is the point because the the English women players have gotten so much better. The WSL has gotten so much better, and it's hard to say was England's you know deep run in the World Cup was that their league and their players getting better, and how much of it was Bill Neville's coaching, you know, making them cohesively. You can't discredit that Phil Neville is part of that success. That that he got them on the same page, got them playing a certain system, and led to you know England's best run in the Women's World Cup. That said, he has never coached a a a, a men's side, and not to be sexist, this is also for Miami is is you know a swing. <laughs> it is, is indeed all right so let's let's i, I want to do my film level fun facts quiz and then uh and then we can talk a little bit more about this before we get to the fun facts quiz can i can i say my minnesota reaching trivia about uh chris harmas oh sure yeah I got to, to plug in so yeah. uh before usl championship and before usl pro and before usl one it was the usil or USISL, and Chris Armas played for the New York or Long, Long was it Long Island? The Long Island Rough Riders. Sounds like a Long Island team. Um, he played for the Long Island Rough Riders, and in 1995, they beat the Minnesota Thunder in the USISL Pro Championship. In the final? Yeah. Oh wow. Fuck Chris Armas. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> All right. Here's now the time for the Phil Neville Fun Facts Quiz. Phil Neville Fun Facts Quiz. All right, MJ. Okay. Phil Neville Fun, fun Facts Quiz. Uh, you need to answer these questions. Uh, true or false? Okay. Phil Neville once ate two hot dogs with no condiments. Sounds like a Phil Neville thing to do. True or false? True. 
False, MJ. Sorry. Sorry. Ah, he he definitely ate them with ketchup because um, he's an asshole. Doesn't Fun fact, quest, quiz number two, Phil's father is named Neville Neville. That's false. That is 100% true. His father is named I'm Neville Neville. Over to uh, Phil Neville. So question number three, Phil Neville has won 14 trophies in his illustrious career. Six Premier League titles, three FA Cups, one UEFA Champions League. And as the head coach, he led England women's national team to the 2019 She Believes Cup. He has only inserted one of those into his asshole. True or false? <laughs> True. False, false. He's inserted at least two of those into his asshole. Uh, the UEFA Champions League and the She Believes Cup. Uh, question number four. Phil Neville has been a manager for two plus years in Europe. So clearly he is qualified to manage an MLS team. True or false? Uh, that, that's 100% true. Yeah, true. Yeah, you're right. 100% true. Uh, two plus years uh, managing a team. He is clearly qualified to manage an MLS team. Uh, question number five, Nev- D- uh, Phil Neville and David Beckham have definitely kissed. True or uh, false? False. True. They definitely have kissed. Uh, question Wait. number six, Phil was way into it, was into it way more than David. Oh, definitely true. Yes. hundred percent true. So you are two for six. One out of three. Not, not bad. I guess that's in baseball. That's, that's not bad. Better than my softball batting. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. Question number seven, Phil Neville suited up for England 15 15- uh, 59 times he won nothing true that is false he won the adoration of david beckham oh that's horseshit sorry buddy I'm that's just, a trick question them's the rules uh question number, question number eight uh phil has a brother named gary they played with a guy named nikki butt <laughs> uh true that's 100 percent true Nicky Butt played on the Manchester United teams. The he was the part of that uh, '90s boys class. Uh, and question: the last question, I believe this is question number ten. Phil Neville scored at least two goals against the same team. So, just has he scored a brace? No, no, no. Has he scored two goals against the same team? Yes. True. True. That is that is that is correct. Hundred percent. He scored a goal against Southampton in. Uh, the 0102 season, and he scored another goal against Southampton in the 0203 season. So he's never scored a brace in in the uh, you know he's never scored in the same twice in the same game. Um, he's only ever scored twice. Uh, anytime he's ever played, he scored twice in the 0102 season, 0203, and 0708. Uh, Phil Neville only scored 13 goals in his career as a defenseman. I mean, does that makes a little bit of sense? So. Yeah, so those I mean, are our Phil Neville fun facts quiz. You I think you ended up like four out of ten, five out of ten. So 50%, so fail, but you know, thanks for playing. It was it was fun. Yeah. Fit Fit fun facts quiz. All right. I what anything else we should add about Phil Neville Inter Miami. This is I mean it's an interesting uh I mean it's not an interesting hire because of course David Beckham was gonna hire Phil Neville. What does he bring to this team other than being David Beckham's uh kiss buddy? I mean, I guess they can make out, which is cool. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're buddies. I don't know. I, I, he, he brings international prestige to to Inter-Miami. Not that uh, their previous coach did not, but... Does he, though? <laughs> what, what, fuck, what fucking kid in South America knows who the fuck Phil Neville is? Yeah, well, you know, maybe they should have held on to their last coach. Right, exactly. By that, by that qualification alone, yeah. I, I just, I just, I guess, I just don't, I don't quite understand. I don't understand why. I mean, I guess I understand why Phil Neville does it because it's it's probably easy money for him, right? He he, well, defensive genius. Sure, yeah. Um, as noted by all the goals that the England women's national team has given up over the over the course of the last two plus years, so. Duly noted. Good job, buddy. Uh, I think your point here, you threw in the document, Chris Henderson was also announced as sporting director for Miami. I think that is actually a significantly bigger move for the team. That is the bigger move here for Miami. You bring in somebody who has 
being an assistant coach at Sporting Kansas City, and more importantly, being a sporting director in Seattle. Has and, connections all over the world. And that being sporting director in Seattle, the players he acquired, acquired for Seattle have won a lot of hardware. I mean, I guess that's that's kind of my point is that Phil Neville, like Phil Neville doesn't actually, you don't bring any, you don't get anything from Phil Neville hiring, being your manager, other than you're going to get people from the Guardian and from, and Sky maybe talking about near Miami in British The Liverpool media. Echo we'll talk about. In yeah. Yeah. The Liverpool Echo, like your Sky, maybe the Guardian, um, maybe the fucking Sun will like talk about, uh, Telegraph, Phil Neville, Telegraph, and they'll talk about Inter Miami, and which I, I guess I don't understand unless you are like trying to like tap into the British young British expat market doesn't make a ton of like doesn't make any sense like not even ton of sense doesn't wait, make any wait, sense. Wait, wait, are, are you saying Fort Lauderdale doesn't have a ton of British expats? No, have you been to Fort Lauderdale? <laughs> I, I, thought, I think this is. I think this might have been a joke that Matt was a Matt. Maybe Matt Doyle made it from on uh, from MLSsoccer.com on, on Twitter's today. Basically, was the over under on uh, SPF versus points Inter Miami wins next year? He put it at forty five. The over under on SPF What's SPF point, sun protection factor like in in the in the uh, suntan lotion he's gonna have to put on. Oh yeah, versus, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, versus points they're gonna win. Does, is is it more SPF? Or does he win more points? I think it probably is more SPF. Honestly, um, yeah. I've seen British people; they they do not they do not do well in uh, in the in the heat of Florida. It's not even like it's 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 not a dry heat. It's a fucking swamp. If you've been to Florida, it's a goddamn fucking swamp, especially Miami, um, Fort Lauderdale, whatever. It's I don't I just don't I don't I just don't see how this ends well for anybody. And I for one am, am fine with like. Yeah, let Phil Neville go and fuck shit up for a couple of years. Um, if Phil Neville's going, if Phil Neville's going to like somewhere like DC, actually, I could see that that would actually make a little more sense to me than Inter, Inter Miami. But I don't know. Inter, Inter, Inter Miami Television needs to come up with some sort of uh, reality TV bit that lasts for maybe three episodes. It'd be a perfect three episode reality tv bit for inner miami tv and where where beckett and neville go on a, a camping trip to the everglades <laughs> uh, and <laughs> yeah something like that all right uh well that's pretty much it man that's uh the mls news minnesota united news um anything else you wanted to discuss mj that we didn't throw into the document otherwise we can uh we can call it we'll get this done in a little over an hour man just to let's uh let's keep it tight unlike how i kept my babbling about the cba and yeah and close it out all right let's go to over an hour so you guys uh be on the lookout again if you're a patreon or patreon.com slash devs i know we're gonna be dropping we're gonna be uh recording that uh leagues uh worldwide leagues ranking podcast again we have, we'll have a couple boys from the minnesota football show and potentially a very very special guest a uh, former minnesota united player to join us on that that we're recording on sunday <clears throat> so please join uh, patreon.com slash days to help support that mj last bit if you didn't watch it tonight go watch the highlights of the u.s women's national team versus columbia and uh see an amazing hatchet yeah chrissy mew is just scoring goals left and right so uh, uh rate, rate what's that was it sam oh sam mew sorry sorry sam mew uh rate review the podcast uh visit davesno.com uh, again, patreon.com slash Dave Zeno at TDIKMN on Twitter. If you have any questions, I'll probably be putting out some questions. If you want, if you have questions for the Minnesota football show guys uh, in re- relations to uh, they're going to come on and basically school us on South American uh, soccer, because I, I love South American soccer. I love comic book soccer, but I just do not know anything about it. Um, and we're going to, they're going to help us put that in perspective to, you know, the, the Eurocentric uh, stuff that we have here on this podcast. I'm always at Texas Hour. Dan's at D Wade. MJ is at MJ Matsui. Our good friend Bill is at Bill underscore McGuire. Please, yeah, reach out to us if you have anything. Uh, otherwise, uh, we've been the Dave C. Know. This is the Dave I Know. To try and work it out because we both know we can't do nothing at all. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh
long as you do yours, land here become free, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Nah, y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Check it out, though. GT. He don't do nothing at all. G.O. My guy, King.